0: The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. And do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
1: Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. Webmasterradio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan.
2: Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan and it's great to be here with you today. I'm glad you could take some time out of your busy day to join me. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. You're going to learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending the woman. Well, first up, we're talking about women, shopping, and the economy. Not necessarily a great combination. And a new report out by publicist groups, Performix, found that uh, women are absolutely gloomier than men about the economy, and as a result, um, aren't spending as much as men. Uh, This report actually came out, it was fielded in July, came out in August, And it shows that 54% of women versus 38% of men agreed that, you know what, my economic situation has gotten a heck of a lot worse than this time last year. And as a result, I ain't spending any more money. And in fact, they expected to spend... Overall, over the next 60 days, which have, would which have taken us through actually last month, the end of September, uh, 55% of women say, you know what, I am just not going to be spending this much. Now, uh, fewer men said that. Uh, women are voting with their pocketbook. And, in fact, um, a lot of them are saying, you know what, and we've heard this a million and million times over, This has changed the way I'm going to spend for the rest of my life. You know, I've totally changed the way I think about saving and spending money. And, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to be the same woman ever, ever again. Um, Things like entertainment, um, apparel and personal care, the luxury sector, All of those are areas where women more than men have cut back. And, um, you know, those household essentials that so many of us have to buy, um, you know what? We're looking for uh, more bargains in that area even. So it's had a huge effect on women more than men and it's affecting us long term. Well, today I want to talk about our purse profile which is the Reasonable Luxury Mom. You notice I didn't say luxury mom but Reasonable Luxury Mom. This is a woman, 35 to Forty-five married with kids in the house, um, you know, preteen kids, making uh, somewhere between seventy-five and two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. Most of them do stay home with those children, and they they do love luxury. In fact, they say it's worth paying extra for quality goods. They enjoy owning quality things, and they will travel an hour or more to factory outlet stores to find those top designers for a lower price. Their role of mom is hugely important to them. Um, They really take money management as something that they pride themselves on, even though it's hard for them to say no to those kids for non-essentials. And they do teach their children about money. Um, They will go out and they will try to find great things, those expensive things, for the best price. And so they'll take the time to do that. Um, They do really invest in their home because that's where they spend most of their time. Uh, They do a lot of entertaining in their home, and they really see their home as a reflection of their own personality. Um, They do take comfort in the brands that they seek out. They do shop their favorite stores for those brands, but maybe at a discount. And they do see themselves overall as optimistic and happy with their own standard of living. So when it comes to those brands, what are they buying? Well, they're buying Clinique, L'Oreal, Mac, Victoria's Secret, Chanel. Um, they're looking at Calvin Klein, Victoria's Secret, J Crew, and Gap. At home stores, they're big fans of Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Crate & Barrel, and they're driving Volvos, Audis, Mercedes-Benz, and Hondas. When it comes to media, you can get in front of the reasonable luxury woman. Online at Disney.com, Amazon, Yellow Pages, and Blockbuster. She's also reading Parenting and Parents, Shape, Real Simple, L. Good housekeeping and Vogue. Well, my guest for today certainly knows about luxury. In fact, that's what he does all day long Milton Pedraza, CEO of the Luxury Institute. Now, the Luxury Institute, if you haven't heard of it, is an impartial, independent, and objective ratings and research organization that has a global vo- voice of the high net worth consumer. So, we're going to be talking with Milton about upcoming holiday season, the impact from wealthy consumers overall this year, and what we should be looking for when it comes to their very, very designer choices. More purse strings
1: when we return. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse <laughs> strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers.
0: Use the power of Local Pages. With over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings, let Local Pages Affiliate Network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need. Become a Local Pages Affiliate today with LocalPages.com. Eisenberg and I approve this message.
1: Please hold while we connect you to one of the most sought-after experts in SEO, analytics, and web development. Office hours with Vanessa Fox, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Well, welcome back to Purse Strings.
4: Joining me today is Milton
1: Pedraza, CEO of the Luxury
4: Institute, which brings insights in the world of the wealthy. Milton, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you very much.
4: I'm so happy to have you on the program today. You know, I'm always interested in what the wealthy are doing, as are so many people listening today. And you at the Luxury Institute definitely have your uh, finger on the pulse of the wealthy. For those individuals out there who may not be familiar with the Luxury
3: Institute, please
4: explain what it is and what you do.
3: Well, we've been around since 2003, uh, and essentially we are the voice of the wealthy consumer. I think it's fair to say that we conduct more research with wealthy consumers on luxury brands, but uh, on their lifestyles, on their habits and practices I think uh, more research around the world than any other entities combined. So we really focus on being the voice of the high-net-worth consumer. We also take those surveys and sell those to corporations. We have ratings surveys that rate the luxury brands on customer experience, on brand reputation, and we also conduct lots of topical surveys. So what are the wealthy doing in terms of social networks or social media? What are they doing in terms of search engines? What are they doing in terms of... Uh, purchases of luxury brands. So we do quite a bit of research with wealthy consumers, and then we pass on the best practices to luxury brands.
4: Well, and you do that, as you said, in a lot of ways. You have your, your regular wealth surveys. You, you have a newsletter that goes out on a regular basis. And then, as as many of us know, you have a blog now, um, just following what's been going on the last couple of years, we know that the luxury consumer, like pretty much the rest of us in the United States, has curtailed their spending. How does the luxury consumer spending practice impact the overall economy, Milton?
3: Well, since they have, uh, well, approximately 10, 10% of the nation's wealthiest have about 40% of all the income. Uh, and if you, I think if you go to the top 20%, they have about half the income. So if they're not spending, and they certainly have cut back dramatically across all levels, at the billionaire level, centimillionaire level, decamillionaire level, and in let's call them uh, single-digit millionaire level, they have all cut back. That obviously affects the economy. So if we think, for example, of a household where there's a nanny and there's maids and there's uh, landscapers and there's pool people, all kinds of service providers, providing service to a wealthy home, you can see that many, many jobs are attached to that one home. And so when wealthy households cut back, unfortunately, a lot of the jobs that are lost are low-skilled jobs, people who are immigrants or people who have uh, lower skills. And so they are hurt disproportionately by the wealthy uh, cutting back on spending. Uh, luxury industry obviously has also been hurt. Uh, I would say that probably the industry this year is about 20% below overall, although some categories are worse than others. So we've seen some top jewelry brands be down as much as 40, 50% in some months. Um, And also the same is true for some watch manufacturers. Uh, And then apparel might be down 15, 20%, but it still has hurt dramatically. So Overall, I would say whether it's low-skilled jobs and services or whether it's the luxury industry, when the top 10 or 20% are not spending as much, it really hurts the U.S. economy and, and even the global economy.
4: Exactly. And I know you mentioned a few ways the wealthy have been cutting back jewelry, a little bit on apparel. What else are you seeing in this area of cutbacks with the wealthy consumers, say, over the last 12 to 24 months?
3: Well, obviously, on the huge ticket items like real estate or even private jets, yachting, uh, all of those have gotten tremendously hurt. Uh, I heard, for example, that uh, charter of yachts in the Caribbean was down like 50%. Uh, I've seen uh, some numbers that say, for example, in Chicago, homes that are worth a million and a half or more, um, there's about four years of inventory in those homes, and there probably would be more except that uh, many people are not putting their homes up for sale. So uh, the big-ticket items have been hurt dramatically, too. So when you think of real estate, primary and secondary homes, vacation homes, uh, fractionals, whether they be fractional real estate or jets, uh, yacht chartering, those big-ticket items have also been hurt dramatically.
4: Now, you recently conducted a study with this very, very niche consumer called the current state of the luxury industry. What, what else did you discover out of that study?
3: Well, we found that, yes, uh, on the one hand, uh, consumers are hurt economically, but they also are telling us that one of the issues why they're not buying, one of the reasons why they're not buying is because luxury brands are not delivering. They're not delivering on superior quality. They're not delivering on superior craftsmanship. They're definitely not delivering on superior customer service or on delivering really unique and exclusive or custom-made products. They feel that 44%, which is almost half, feel that luxury is becoming a commodity, and over half, 53%, said that they believe there are far too many luxury brands competing in most luxury categories. So too many brands in most of the luxury categories, and a lot of them are Me Too brands. And they're not delivering on the fundamentals such as quality, craftsmanship, service. So uh, there is a, I, I think what happened is that the dramatic uh, drop in wealth really jolted wealthy consumers at all levels and they started to be far more discerning about what luxury should be. And they discovered that a lot of luxury brands really aren't worth the premiums they were paying before. And of course, when uh, companies like Saks Fifth Avenue, last year in the fourth quarter had to, because I think they did it to survive, uh, cut inventory, uh, cut prices to reduce their inventories by about 70%. Uh, then consumers really felt like they had been overpaying. And so that's uh, those are some of the issues that came out in the survey as well.
4: Even the wealthier bargain shopping, it sounds like, which I guess is not surprising. We all want our dollars to stretch a little bit further. But you know what you talk about here, about feeling like you're overpaying, even as a wealthy consumer, I would imagine that a lot of these quote-unquote luxury brands, some of them are going to end up going away, don't you think?
3: Yes, and we estimate that over time, about 15 to 20% of luxury brands will probably go away. Uh, meaning they will disappear from the landscape, they will go bankrupt, or they will just slowly fade out. And, by the way, there may be some luxury brands that go mass, because in many ways some of them really are mass products. You know, uh, Ralph Lauren has has created an art and science out of creating a wonderful halo effect, but also selling to the masses all the way down to TJ Maxx and in JCPenney. Um to some degree, you could argue that uh, Starbucks is a luxury product, that uh, Godiva chocolates is a luxury product. So, and and Armani is so uh, is so prevalent in so many categories, dozens of categories that you could argue that Armani is uh, approaching becoming a bit of a, let's say, ubiquitous brand. Even though again, Giorgio Armani has that halo effect. So, some brands will just say like Vera Wang. Vera Wang decided that he would sell at Kohl's. So. Some brands will just decide that um, enough with the luxury. Luxury is a bit unprofitable. Um, it It is limited in scalability, and margins are not as high as people think, and so some brands will go mass rather than go bankrupt. But there certainly will be a lot of shifting, and I think what will be left is a more pure luxury industry that does deliver extremely high levels of design and quality and craftsmanship and service in a very unique and exclusive set of products that will really be worthy of the name Luxury. Which
4: luxury brands, if I can put you on the spot, do you think will stay luxury, that you just don't see them selling out and going mass?
3: Well, it's interesting. It's not clear cut, but um, Hermes, for example, uh, they are uh, at the pinnacle of luxury right now, and they seem to be, even though they've grown and they're a billion-dollar brand around the world, they... They're extremely limited in the number of stores, and, and, and their product is very unique and exclusive and very expensive, and they really do deliver the craftsmanship and the materials and the, and the quality and, and all of the different components that comprise luxury, and they price for it. You know, you'll pay 20000 plus for a handbag, like a Birkin or a Kelly bag. Even those brands, we think, need to reinvent themselves. They need a new Kelly or Birkenbag. But I think a brand like that that's been around for literally, I think, a couple hundred years is likely to stay at the pinnacle of luxury. Then you look at watches like IWC, Patek Philippe, uh, Vacheron Constantin, brands that have been around for a long, long time that have limited production. They're handmade with the finest materials. They provide exquisite service, although God knows they could improve, for example, on the repair. Side, because sometimes it takes months to repair a luxury watch. So those brands, I think, will remain luxury, as will the Ferraris of the world, the, the, the Lamborghinis of the world. There are some brands that really are just so luxurious and in every attribute uh, that they deserve a price premium, and they'll stay that way. They're not about to go mass. I mean, you saw a little bit of Rolls-Royce saying, well, you know, the Phantom is too large, so we're going to go to the Ghost, which is a smaller version, They're basically doing what Bentley did. But those are still, you know, $200,000-plus cars, and and what they're doing is really making them a little more contemporary. And I don't want to say green, but a little more eco-friendly, you know, less consumption of gas, lighter vehicle, but still extremely luxurious. So Rolls-Royces, Bentleys, Aston Martins, those are likely to stay luxury uh, for a long, long time.
2: Milton, just a minute ago you were talking about those luxury brands that are going more mainstream and at the end of the day may eventually just go mainstream and not try to appeal to the luxury, um, the luxury niche group. I was reading an article, I believe it was an adage this week, about restoration hardware and the fact that they're actually raising their prices at a time when it's clearly not a popular thing to do. Are you seeing some examples of brands, um, companies that are actually trying to go the other way to try to become a little bit more exclusive?
3: Well, yes. I mean, nobody who wants to go on record to talk about it, but when you talk to luxury executives, they will say, and we've got to figure out how to take care of our best customers in separate venues, and we do more of our, and I don't want to say mass, but more affluent rather than ultra-wealthy consumers. So they're trying to figure out, okay, in our retail space, how do I create a special room or special rooms, or do I now go to the homes of my clients to save on rents, uh, but give them a truly pristine, unique kind of service, unique kind of product, how do I take the level of my design, my craftsmanship, my quality up a notch so I can charge premium prices and, and of course, limiting the, uh, the uh, production. You know, I mean, it used to be that brands, luxury brands, called something limited edition and they, they make 500,000 of them, you know. That doesn't fly anymore. So, yes, I see the brands being very concerned about the top tier of their customer base and how to address true, unique, and exclusive product or service for those clients now everyone is talking about it uh... very few people are willing to own up to it because even that strategy at a time like this seems a little out of touch but i don't think it is out of touch it's just that if you publicly announce that you're doing that you may get a little bit of bashing you may become the next pinata and so i would say that all luxury brands that i am aware of are are thinking how do i create more unique and exclusive product and more unique and exclusive service for the top-tier wealthy, so that they really feel they can pay a premium for something that has lasting value and maybe even approaches a work of art. But no one is really talking about it publicly or wants us to talk about it publicly because, again, that seems a little ostentatious right now, Mm -hmm. although what the luxury brands are thinking about is more investment value rather than anything really ostentatious. You know, how do I put finer materials? How do I justify a price premium? And how do I make something that really has, you know, has, is last for 100 years? Mm-hmm. And I would imagine as a some work of that of art. was in the white
2: paper that you recently published 12 Rules for the 21st Century Luxury Enterprise.
3: Yes. And, um, and, and you're seeing that luxury brands, obviously, look, the reality of luxury is that if you don't have enough critical mass, if you don't scale enough, you're never going to make any money. You'll do well. But you can't be a public company like a Tiffany or a Nordstrom or a, even a Neiman Marcus has public bonds. So um, you, you can't, Sachs. You can't really be a a very small luxury brand and get any economies of scale. Then you're pretty much an artisan. So you do have to have scalability. Now you need to find that fine balance where you haven't gone over the line and tipped over into the mass market but you are serving enough affluent consumers and wealthy consumers so that you can make a profit and you do get economies of scale what i fault the luxury brands for not doing is trying to get economies of customer share which is having a relationship with a customer for a long time and a deep relationship so that they don't need to scale as much but that they are getting a greater share of wallet from each individual customer and also i would say that um let's say, uh, a Brioni or a Patek Philippe, that you are getting the succeeding generations, that the young consumer, you know, the young son or young daughter of a wealthy uh, individual also feels the brand appeals to them so that they'll buy their suits at Brioni, they'll buy their suits at Quiton, they will buy their watches from Vacheron, they will buy their watches from Patek Philippe so that that a luxury brand can really grow through share of wallet and has relevance to succeeding generations of wealthy consumers. That I think they still need to crack the code
2: on. You know, to keep relevant from from kind of that um, younger and younger and younger demographic, I think you would have to, what, diversify your lines. You'd have to keep up with the trends. I would imagine that that, that's kind of hard to do.
3: It is hard to do, but if you think about certain watches, certain suits, uh, certain products that really are timeless, if you make the products timeless, those young people will evolve into your brand. You can also create a little bit of cachet. You can take your classic product and give it some flair so that it is still pretty much in the mainstream. It's still a Monday through Friday product. It's not just Saturday night product, which, by the way, is really suffering right now. But it also has a flair that appeals to the young. Uh, sport jackets, uh, product pants. Uh, I mean, you can be creative. I think... The challenge for the luxury industry is in the fat years, and those were uh, even before 9-11 and then after 9-11, because 9-11 was a V-shaped sort of uh, economic downturn, luxury brands got really sort of fat and easy. They started just pretty much copying each other. They started plastering uh, product with their label, even though it was made of canvas or or, um, really inferior materials. And I think during the good times, when a lot of people wanted to buy luxury, even people who couldn't afford luxury, then that was a boom, and everybody was um, everybody was successful. Now, uh, I think we're back to a more classical approach. I think people are now, first of all, many who were who were aspirational affluent are out of the market for a long, long time to come, until the next internet is invented or the next PC is invented. or some other positive dislocation occurs that lifts the entire economy quickly, I don't think we're going to see uh, people who couldn't afford, who are stretching their credit cards and their home equity loans to buy luxury cars and luxury goods. That, I think, is gone for a long, long time. And I think people will live within their means. By the way, you know, one interesting thing I found recently is that even the wealthiest people were living above their means. Right. So people worth a hundred million were living a two hundred million dollar lifestyle. People living ten million were living a twenty million dollar lifestyle. So that's why there's been such a sharp and um, broad uh, decline in luxury consumption because across the board, at all levels of wealth, beyond affluence, they were con- they were over-consuming, and so that's why we've seen a cutback that is so dramatic. When people at any level of wealth see that forty percent of their wealth has disintegrated in a matter of weeks that is a definite jolt to the to to your to your uh, to your entire existence because in this downturn people couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel and I don't think we see a light at the end of the tunnel yet we see that we're no longer declining as rapidly or that we may have stopped declining but we don't see a big upside in front of us and so that has been a really scary situation for many wealthy consumers across all levels and that has really put a break on the on luxury consumption
2: yes and in fact we're going to take a quick break now speaking of breaks and when we come back i do want to talk about that outlook and how it's going to impact the very very quickly upcoming holiday season more purse strings when we return in just a moment
1: okay time for something we can all relate to shopping <laughs> purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Affiliatecontracts.com is an affiliate network like no other. Hands-on account management right from setup gives personal attention with continual account optimization, and our affiliates will attest our offers consistently pay more money every single day. Seriously. And hey, want to make a lot of money fast? Check out our unbeatable, I mean unbeatable insurance offers, higher conversions with programs that are sustainable and scalable because AffiliateContracts.com is committed to you for the long run bigger payouts, higher conversions and attention you expect from dedicated affiliate managers AffiliateContracts.com that's what the affiliate world needs
0: the elite publishers xy7 elite is not for everyone as you need to be accepted and maintain volume requirements think you've got what it takes to be elite go to www.xy7elite.com or call 702-216-4000 702-216-4000 search engine marketing formulated for web 2.0 sem synergy Live broadcast Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. On webmasterradio.fm.
1: Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're
2: back. I'm joined today by Milton Pedraza, CEO of the Luxury Institute. And, Milton, we've been talking a lot about The wealthy consumer and how they've been living above their means. Even they have been living above their means and as a result have been tightening their belts when it comes to spending on luxury goods. And then of course the domino effect that that has for the entire economy. You know, Q4 of any year is a big, big year. It's the year, it's the time of year when retailers look to make up uh, their losses for the remaining part of the year. Uh, last holiday season was really in the dumps. This holiday season, are you expecting it to be a little less gloomy than a year ago?
3: Well, I think we're expecting it to be about the same. I mean, there will be some interesting comparatives because uh, there will be less inventory at the stores, uh, so maybe there's a little more demand. Uh, but then the, the issue will be pricing. I think that luxury brands and retailers will have to at some point discount in order to entice consumers because now they've become accustomed to being bribed into buying luxury and mm-hmm. that's a habit that will take a long time to um, to overcome. I will tell you that um, the numbers that we uh, received indicate that wealthy consumers are in no better mood for buying in the fourth quarter than they were in the first nine months of the year. And the first nine months of the year were very challenging. So we're expecting that it'll be flat or at best slightly up. And that's because they will be, if we're up, it'll be because we're comparing to some horrible numbers in the fourth quarter of last year that we can improve upon, but that really won't mean it's a recovery. So I think it'll be soft. Uh, The the mindset of the wealthy consumer is still, I, I would say, somber and very cautious. Uh, there's nothing on the horizon to, to make that a change. I think, if anything, they feel far more uncertainty now that they've seen sort of uh, almost a year of a new presidency now, and they see that um, there isn't a whole lot of job creation on the horizon, and that while things have stabilized, they certainly haven't improved. Uh, if you think about it, luxury real estate looks like it's uh, it's pretty soft and will be softer for the foreseeable future, and again, luxury real estate, so... Um, They look like they're going to be spending overall flat to less. I'll tell you some categories that consumers said they might be spending more on. When we ask consumers, will you spend more, much more, the same, less, or much less, 15% of those consumers said that they will spend more on travel, on leisure travel. Mm -hmm. 12% said they would spend more on dining. And 11% said they would spend more on Uh, health and fitness, and 10% on technology and entertainment. So there are some categories that consumers will still try to spend, that a small portion of consumers will still spend more on. Um, But on the other side, in terms of consumers saying they will spend less or much less, 42% of wealthy consumers said they'll spend less on jewelry. 35% said they'll spend less on home furnishings. 34% said they'll spend less on watches, and another 34% said they'll spend less on gifts. So uh, you can see that some categories are a little more resilient than others, but that when you net it all out, it'll probably be flat, maybe slightly up in terms of dollars. But it is still going to be, and I think across the board, whether it's the mainstream economy or the luxury economy, it's going to be a pretty um, somber, solemn fourth quarter.
2: Yeah yeah well, as you said it was it was horrible last year, a little bit better still makes it bad and i i was I was just curious as I was listening to you talk about where the spending's kind of netting out which which areas it looks like people are going to be investing in. Do you drill down to demographics like men versus women? Um, for example, are you seeing women um, looking ahead and maybe potentially buying in, in these similar types of areas for the holidays for Q4? I mean, you mentioned jewelry was down, some other things that might be a little bit more female-focused.
3: Well, I would say, for example, handbags um, are going to be soft, but uh, I do think that there are certain items that, for women in particular, since we're discussing women, apparel, professional apparel, uh, and that includes the handbags, the accessories, they will probably do better because we do have to replace those. And we do have to replenish. So there's a lot of high-powered professional women out there, entrepreneurs, who, you know, they're going to have to replace their wardrobe because it wore out or because uh, they want to be a little bit more in fashion because they do. Obviously, they're they're always on. They're always on stage, if you will, whether it's at a meeting or a presentation or a conference. So I think we'll see more of the what I call Monday through Friday luxury apparel and Monday through Friday luxury accessories and leather goods uh, do better. Uh, But, again, it'll be classic brands, classic styling. I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, in in many recessions, people tend to go a little wild. This isn't one of those. This isn't the 1920s. We're going to (laughs) see a little more uh, buying into the classic that will last you a long time because, again, there's so much uncertainty. and, uh, and, And, really, consumers have sort of turned the corner. I mean, this was the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of people living above their means. And when you have so many wealthy baby boomers who now have a dramatic decrease in their 401Ks and IRAs and retirement plans, they're not going to be spending unless it's something that has lasting value.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and that's really, I mean, not just the wealthy, but pretty much everyone, Milton, I think, has kind of adopted that. And as you said at the top of the show, when the wealthy does it, do it, however, it really has wider implications for the economy, and it's something that we're going to have to continue to keep an eye out on. And I know the Luxury Institute will definitely be keeping an eye out on it. Thank you so much for joining me today. We've unfortunately run out of time. It went by so quickly.
3: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
2: Yes, and uh, for everyone out there who wants to know more about the Luxury Institute, you can check it out at luxuryinstitute.com. Thanks to George, my producer, for a great show. And join me next week for another edition of Purse Strings. I'll be joined by Lauren McHugh, formerly Director, Integrated Marketing Programs of MySpace. Lauren develops and builds out new and emerging practices within companies that allow them to handle the ever-growing social landscape. That's next Tuesday, right here, 3 o'clock Eastern. Until then, thanks so much for joining me today. Make it a great one.